Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com. And Phil Goldfeder away this week, but we are going to unpack and discuss, take a couple minutes to unpack and discuss the momentous Israeli elections that happened this week. Um, first of all, I want to say that 67% of Israelis voted, it looks like. Um, that's the number of cities, down from 71%. But it is a testament to uh, the country and its robust democracy that you have this level of participation. We can only hope for this level of participation here in the United States. And more voter participation, more voter engagement is a good thing. Uh, there's so many people who out there who complain about things, but they don't end up voting. And uh, I think part of it, there is a piece of the proportional representation that makes Israelis want to come out and vote. Obviously, the fact that it's a national holiday and everybody's off is another piece of it. But people feel that they actually have a voice in many cases that, you know, there's not their voices are not necessarily wasted because they can go ahead and vote for somebody who feels they represent their interest. Now, that also has implications in the fact that you don't necessarily you have a lot of parties that represent some very parochial uh some very parochial interests they don't necessarily represent the national consensus but that's of course what the coalition is about of bringing those together and uh you know there's a lot a lot to discuss now we don't know the final final results and you know one of the things that's going on right now is i mean as we speak as we're you know putting this show together is that uh, number one, there were a number of very unexpected things and there were some things that were expected. Uh, There's some big winners and there are some big losers in this race, but we also don't know exactly who is in and who is out. When I say that's who is in and who is out of Knesset, as we discussed last week, there is a minimum threshold. There used to be in the Knesset, you had many people uh, many parties that had one seat at a time, and it was a very fragmented thing. So they lower, they made a threshold that you must get 3.25% of the electorate of the voting, of the vote in order to get, which is essentially four seats. So it's a binary. You either get four seats or you get zero. And on that bubble, uh, you actually have uh, the new right, which is Naftali Bennett and Ayelet Shaked out there kind of twisting in the wind right now. Uh, it seemed overnight, when I say overnight, I mean on Wednesday night, not uh, Tuesday night, because they count the votes initially, and then they uh, have to count votes from the military, those that didn't vote at the polls themselves. So you have the military, you have diplomats who vote overseas. Israelis cannot vote by absentee ballot uh, from abroad, they can only vote, um, diplomats can vote, uh, those that are in hospitals, those that are disabled, and uh, medical personnel, those are allowed to vote. So they count those votes later, and there was a couple hundred thousand out there. Uh, so what's happening now, and you know, there's a great, the uh, Israeli government puts on their election page puts actually the actual vote count, and they actually put the vote count also by municipality, which is amazing. Um, 
It's votes twenty one. Bichi wrote uh, dot Bichi wrote B E C H I R O T dot G O V dot I L. Great website. Uh, you can see the actual vote count, but it's amazing when you look at it by municipality, especially you know those of us listening here know many people in different yishuvim and municipalities around. Uh, around Israel, around the state of Israel. We also know relatively that some of the places that are, say, more liberal and some that are more conservative, some that are more right-wing and some that are more left-wing, you could see some way some of those voters voted. You can also see up north and down south and in the Yehudah Shomron and some of these cities, and it's pretty uh, incredible. Now, a couple things just with regard to us not knowing exactly what the threshold is and who got exact seat numbers because of course if the new right party which is Shaked and Naftali Bennett and uh, we could do a little we'll do a little more a deeper dive in a second on them but if they get in that takes some seats away from the others because the, everything gets to has to be reapportioned okay because if they're not in if they're not in the total pie of votes goes to whoever is in and right now, what it looks like, who is in as far as the parties are concerned, um, and this is a rough unofficial tally. It'll become official sometime Thursday, uh, which is today. Uh, Likud, uh, top vote getter, uh, 26.83%. Then Kachova Lavan, uh, which is Gantz and Yair Lapid. We get to their performance in a second. Then the Shas party, which at one point, a couple weeks ago in the polling, was predicted that may not even get into the Knesset. Eight seats, looking at that, uh, 6.08%. Okay, Yadud Hatorah, which is Degel Hatorah and Agudas Yisrael. Okay, 5.85%. And they seem to be right on the bubble. There are some reports right now they have eight seats. Some reports right now they have seven seats. Because they're right on there. Now vote. Now Shas and De- and Gimel, as it's known, or UTJ, uh, which in English acronym for United Torah Judaism, uh, they have a vote-sharing agreement. That means if there's remainder votes left over from Shas and they have more than the eight mandates that they need, they can share those votes with Yadud HaTorah and get in a little bit. Now, Shas just really, I think the idea for many uh, Mizrahi voters or Sephardi voters in Israel, the fact that Shas might not make it into the Knesset, uh, probably rallied their base voters out there. Okay, then, then you have Hadash Ta'al, which is an Arab party, which is a mixture of communists and, and Arab party, Ahmed Tibi, uh, well-known, uh, Ayman Odeh, uh, that was the head of the United Arab List. The Arab parties ran in two different tickets for a number of reasons this time, and that greatly diluted. They had 13 seats in the last Knesset. They were the third largest party. And the amazing part is that they, one of them, which is the other party, Balad Ta'al, might actually not get in. We'll see. They're above the threshold now, but it's possible they don't get in. Um, which would essentially leave uh, them. So Hadash Ta'al looking now. Um, again, un, kind of unclear uh, once again is you know the exact numbers that exist. Um, 
But, you know, that's where we're from six to seven seats. Love to get the exact you know, numbers as right now. Um, and then you have the Labor Party, the Israeli Labor Party, the once mighty Labor Party that ruled Israel for 30 years from 1948 to 1977, unchallenged. Uh, at one point, if you go back to 1999, meaning the beginning of this century, uh, the Labor Party had uh, the Labor Party and Meretz together had f- combined 54 seats in the Knesset. Um, it's an astounding number that the Labor Party is now looking at six seats. And there's already calls. The Labor Secretary General told Avi Gabay that he should quit. Um, there are, uh, it's quite remarkable right now that, uh, it's quite remarkable right now that they're basically sitting, uh, at, with just incredible weakness. Uh, they had some, I think, well, obviously big losers of the election, but that they are now looking at not even not being in relevant as the loyal opposition. They're just looking at a total collapse of the Israeli left. Kahov Lavan, which Avi Gabay's party, not sorry, excuse me, Benny Gantz's party, and yet your Lapid, you know, have essentially taken over that space that Labor had occupied, and Labor had no response to it. Now, the crazy thing is what they did is Labor had been allied with Sippy Livni. Sippy Livni, of course, a former Likudnik who then became, uh, you know, at the time, to- at a time was the most popular politician in Israel and was considered to be prime minister material. And Sippy Livni, they basically threw her out. And with that, and they threw her party out called Hatanua, and they said they weren't going to run with her. And basically, she was out of politics and she decided that's it. And a uh, relatively unpopular guy. And it's, uh, it's, well, I don't know what to say exactly. Um, It's pretty, it's pretty, you know, some of these moves that you've seen by some of these parties uh, are just head scratchers. And obviously the next one, you know, being uh, uh, Naftali Bennett's decision to leave um, the old Maftar of the Bayt UHD party. Okay, after that, you have the Union of Right-Wing Parties. Uh, I'm sorry, Yisrael Beitano also was the was at 4.08%. Okay, we weren't sure if they were going to make it in either. That's the Russian party of, of Viktor Lieberman. Okay, they end up making it in. The Echud Mefleget Hayamin Habayit Yehudi. This is the Union of Right-Wing Parties, which con- includes the controversial Otsma Yehudit faction. Uh, which is old Kahanist faction, okay? They make it in, okay? Meretz makes it in, okay? Meretz, the Hasmosha Yisrael, they make it in, 3.68%. Kulanu, okay? That's 3.59%. That's Moshe Kahlon, a natural, a former Likudnik. Uh, he had a, 10 seats, I think, in the last Knesset, okay? He's down. And Ra'am Balad, which is the Arab Nationalist Islamist Party, uh, which is not likely to get many military votes or diplomatic votes. Uh, they are at 3.38%, potentially, potentially falling out. The 142,958 votes. And the Amina Hadash of, Shek- of Shaked and Bennett, 3.26%, according to this, 138,101. Now, I've seen updated numbers already, not in the official site, of the, uh, but on unofficial news sites, 
that are now showing that Ben and Shaked are actually a small percentage or a small percentage point out of the government. I mean, they're below the 3.25% threshold, and they are not going to make it. Uh, then there's the Zahud party, as we talked about uh, last week, Moshe Faglin, uh, who was uh, pro-legalization uh, of pot, but also wanted to build the Beit Hashlishi. Uh, so uh, strange. And he did not make it in. Uh, there was like he had the polling had seven, eight seats. And we really just don't know exactly right now what the apportionment is. But what we do know, what we do know is that the right, meaning rightist parties and the natural allies, including the religious parties, including the Haredi parties. Now, the Haredi party surge is a big story here. Every bit as much as uh, as the collapse, let's say, of the left and the disarray on the uh, the disarray, I would say, which has which I think has cost them of the religious Zionist uh, camp um, that split of the religious Zionist camp and going uh, in different directions. You know, there was a time. Uh, after the last election, or going into the last election, when Naftali Bennett was thought as bringing a new vigor to the old Mafdal, to the old religious Zionist uh, under Bayt Yehudi, and that could be a larger force, maybe a third, you know, a thir- third largest type party in Israel. Instead, um, they broke apart. They couldn't uh, live together, and you see that. The religious Zionist party, meaning the Yamin HaChadash, uh, might not make it. And then the Union of Right-Wing Parties, which is more right-wing, uh, more religious, uh, more, I think, uh, uh, Yehudah V'Shamron-focused, uh, they are now you know, looking, yes, they have seats in the Knesset, but it's definitely greatly diminished and kind of more of an appendage of... Uh, appendage of uh, of Bibi Netanyahu. Now, of course, we have to know is that going into this with all the liabilities, voter fatigue, generally voters don't want somebody to stay around forever. Going in for another term, uh, King Bibi has shown his political skills and his political mettle to pull this off. Not only... Not only is does his coalition have the or his natural allies have a clear uh, path towards forming a coalition, but he also got the most votes over Benny Gantz and Yair Lapid. Now that's important because we, as far as making the claim towards forming a government, there was this thought that if Gantz, and if Kachov Lavan, the Blue and White Party, were to come ahead by three, four, maybe say even two seats, that pre- that Ruben Rivlin, the president, would say, well, they're the top vote getter, we have to let them form a government. And perhaps, perhaps, there was an ability for them to form a government, even narrowly, um, by potentially swaying some things. Now, right away, right off the bat, there are quite a smaller parties, including the Haredi Party, said they will not sit with Gantz. Um, because mostly because of Yair Lapid and his past anti-religious, uh, his his efforts over the years of alienating to great extent the religious parties. 
Um, so it's not necessarily a right-wing, left-wing ideology. It's a religious, non-religious ideology. And they pledged their support almost immediately to Netanyahu. In fact, uh, there was a report that Gantz immediately was calling Arya Dari of Shas, and he told him, we are with Bibi. We are not Netanyahu. And then he called Yaakov Litzman, who's the head of, uh, of UTJ, of Gimel, and he said, no. So we don't know exactly... Um, you know, we don't know exactly how the government's going to be formed and who's going to be in, who's going to be out. Avigdor Lieberman has famously feuded with uh, Bibi, and we don't know exactly where he is, um, you know, what he is going to do, um, uh, whether he's going to be in or out, but it looks like they will have enough seats to spare to go ahead and, uh, uh, to go ahead and, form a government even without one, meaning the the could will have enough seats to spare, even without the one uh one of the one of the smaller parties. Well it depends actually which one. So it's hard to know right now. I mean where it stands right now, as we see, um and again, this is just this is without final, final counts. This is as of let's say last night, meaning Wednesday night, okay? Um, what was uh, what was looked at right now? Um, you had uh, you have Shas at eight. Okay, I only really could at thirty five. Blue and white at thirty five. Although that's uh, looks like those are those can change as well. A lot of these numbers can change. Shas at eight. UTJ at seven. United Right at five. Yisrael Beitino at five. Kulano at four. Labor at six. Merits five. To Al Hadash six. Balad Ra'am, four. And potentially, and potentially, there's another four, um, you know, from the new, uh, from, sorry, from the new right party if they get in. The reason I gave the percentages before is because you see the percentages are so, so close. It's a couple thousand votes on each side that can potentially decide, have huge implications, huge implications. Uh, supposedly, right now, as of, you know, with accounting, you know, it's a difference of less than a thousand votes that gets uh, the new right party in there. And you know, let's talk for a second about what happened. I mean, Naftali Bennett, Ayelet Shaked decided that they're going to move past the old uh, right wing. I mean, like form a secular right wing party, um, and you know, that's how, somehow going to propose propel propel them. Uh, Shaked, in particular, being a very popular politician, to a wider audience. Uh, you know, let's say, and challenge really could on the right. And it just seems that this was just poorly thought out and poorly conceived, that you were going to take on the, you know, the the, the standard of of the right when we could is just, yes, they are BB, they are Netanyahu, they are the party of Netanyahu. But it's really hard to make the case that you would have that you would go from a you know really minor party to somehow immediately without a lot of pulling in a lot of new support and without a huge base to go ahead and uh, propel yourself into the upper echelon of, of parties without without that base that you that you need, meaning the base of the settlers and the base of the religious, the Hardal population, and the and the uh, Mafdal population, and somehow figure that out, you know, to pull voters from each other. Because in the end, there's a lot of pull 
on voters to stay in their traditional home and to you know to keep their community in the same lane and the same support uh, that it once was. Israeli parties, political parties, in many cases, are responsible for so much. Are responsible for so much of the uh, welfare of some of their of their constituencies, right? The religious kibbutzim rely on the support and protection of their parties in the same way that, let's say, the other kibbutzim rely on the labor party for uh, their their support. Clearly, we know the Haredi parties rely for, and their educational institutions rely on the political parties to deliver the goods for them. Likud relies, Likud voters in many places, you know, throughout the country, particularly on the periphery, rely on the Likud party to make sure that they are taken care of. So that is essentially the calculus. And for people to kind of leave that home and leave that comfort and vote for somebody else, uh, is it difficult? Now, obviously that happens, but it's a stretch to sometimes uh, expect that there's going to be that kind of realignment. So what are our key takeaways from this uh, momentous election? Number one, sometime during the summer, Bibi Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu, will be the longest-serving prime minister in Israeli <clears throat> history. Excuse me. Uh, he did this, and he accomplished this, despite being under the threat of indictment, meaning I know it's reported around the world that he has been indicted, but he has not. Um, he has recommended indictment, and in Israel, you get a hearing in order to fight off that indictment, potentially, in order to do that. But what did he do? He made this so much about himself and about his you know, mantra, but him being in a different league, a different leader, uh, well beyond anybody else of, of stature, uh, his relationship with Trump, even his relationship with Vladimir Putin and other world leaders very important. The diplomatic success that Israel's had over the last couple of years, uh, and part I think much of this is due to the attitude of the U.S. administration, is the fact that you know Bibi can accomplish things, has accomplished things diplomatically for Israel that have not been able to be done. And of course, uh, the right or the left likes to think, okay, well, Israel is isolated and we need to go ahead and make peace at all costs. Well, we don't say at all costs. We need to make peace in order that Israel end its uh, isolation, despite the fact, of course, that the Palestinians and other Arabs continue to try and isolate Israel. Uh, very interesting uh, piece of uh, I mean, ability that he has had to personalize this, to make it about him and not about the party. You see the flip side. Likud has now gotten the most seats uh, that they will that they've gotten under Bibi. It's the most seats they got since they ran under Ariel Sharon, uh, meaning they went from 30 seats to 37, 36, 35. We don't know exactly. I'm not going to get into exactly. We don't know the exact numbers, and there seems to be, you know, some trading going on. Not trading, but the votes final counts, and uh, we will see. You know, Yamina Hadash is calling for a recount, but Bibi made it about himself. What did Gantz and Lapid make it? They basically made it about nothing. They they just said, well, we're not Bibi, and we need a new direction, and if you're tired of Bibi, vote for us. Uh, it's good, but Israel's probably a little more substantive than that, and a lot of voters are, yes, they're looking for an alternative, but the amazing thing is that the Likud managed to, uh, three former army chiefs of staff, try to paint them as leftists and unreliable and uh, 
un, unable to really secure Israel, despite the fact, of course, remember that uh, two weeks ago, the rockets coming in from Gaza, and Bibi had to go home during a trip to Washington in order to deal with that. And we see that Gaza continues to be a problem, but right away it got quiet, and it didn't happen. That did not become a liability for him. Uh, I will say his personal popularity amongst those on the right is quite immense. If you just look at his social media presence, his number of followers that he has out there, it's incomparable uh, what Netanyahu has. He literally is a celebrity, and it's hard to match that sense of political celebrity that just doesn't exist. Is Do you see Sage of Trump in that? Absolutely. Uh, I'm sure that BB's advisors learned from Trump and vice versa as to how to sell yourself uh, in a volatile political environment. And he did it successfully. Really, there this should have been, or at least you would have looked at this as a change election, a potentially change election for Israel. Uh, a fifth term is almost impossible. Voters are just fatigued. And in fact, in returning Netanyahu with a big margin and looks like potentially anywhere from, let's say, 68 to 64 seats for the right uh, or for the rightist coalition, uh, that's assumed. Obviously, we don't know for sure. But that is looked at potentially as a as a huge uh, win. Kahovalavan just didn't come with anything. And the Israeli center has always had this kind of flash in the pan quality to it. Um, you know, it's as we talked about Sippy Livni before, she was the centrist uh, at one time. Yeah, she got the most she got the most votes the last time around. And you know she's out at this point. Uh Will Kahov Lavan manage to, to stay around? Will Yair Lapid, his Yeshatid faction, his party, manage to stay around? Um, you don't necessarily have a lot of these MKs who are now coming in with a tremendous amount of loyalty to a party. There really is no party apparatus. The other thing is Likud itself, uh, from all reports, seemed to have rallied itself as a party around the country. Um, and done a tremendous amount of party work in order to get themselves out there. Now, the Haredi parties also did the same. Uh, tremendous ground game uh, out there for on behalf of those on behalf of those parties, uh, UTJ and Shas rallying their voters and getting record numbers. Huge, uh, huge turnout in Haredi cities like Bnei Brak and Modi'in Elite and Yerushalayim, Beitar Elite. Uh, some of these places, Allah just had very, very significant numbers of voters coming, voter participation going there. Now, of course, it could be more. There was there were Hasidic factions who refused to vote. Um, and there was some controversy, not controversy around that, but there were uh, there was leadership saying, well, if you're not going to vote, don't call us. Um, there was some pushback from some of the other Hasidic factions trying to uh, to get rally people not to vote again. And, you know, that's just the same, you know, back and forth that you're going to have. Uh, the religious right, as I mentioned, uh, has split. And we saw uh, that if you look at some of these Yishuvim, um, definitely a, uh, a split in the vote. Uh, in, if you look at uh, places like Efrat and um, Alon Shvut, and uh, some of the religious kibbutzim around um, and other places where uh, tremendous uh, uh, significant uh, 
populations of religious Zionist Jews, uh, you can see how uh, the split came about for the Union of Right-Wing Parties and the New Right. And, um, you know, the interesting one, one curious thing there and why they think there's some irregularities in some of these very, very right-wing settlements. Apparently, there were some votes that came in for some of the Arab parties, which is... Uh, uh, you know, they're claiming now it's clerical error, but that some people are seeing conspiracy and fraud in that. So we shall see as it goes now. But it does look certainly by all accounts, we could will have the most seats. Bibi will be asked to form a coalition. He'll be able to bring uh, most of that right wing in there. Um, obviously, his relationship with Lieberman needs to be clarified. We'll see what everybody gets. So the union right wing parties uh uh, perhaps Bennett and Shekhead, we'll have to see if they get in. Um, that will make actually a big difference as to whether this coalition has 64 or 68 seats. Um, uh, Yisrael Beitenu, Shas, uh, Gimel, uh, Kachlon. So we will see as to, as to how everything shakes out. And as I said, the historic, historic diminishment of the Israel Labor Party is uh, cannot be overstated. Uh, just really... Uh, make the case that Israeli society has moved to the right. Uh, the younger people, the polling has moved to the right. And uh, I just want to close with this issue. And, you know, I want to, I should be discussing a little bit the measles issue, but I'm not going to because uh, just enough is said. I mean, go ahead and vaccinate. It's just insane already. Uh, the damage being done to our community uh, by the fact these uh, people not vaccinating and it's just, uh, and this outbreak Anyway, um, just uh, some exit polling, okay? Party's position, uh, uh, this is what, what is your main consideration in voting, okay? Number one, party's position on socioeconomic issues. 26% of Jews, 24% of Arabs. Number two, who stands the head of the party, meaning that the head of the party, 19.5% of Jews, 11% of Arabs. Party's position on foreign and defense issues, 19% of Jews, 3% of Arabs. Quality of parties list in Knesset. 11% of Jews, 5% of Arabs. The party's chances of being in the next government, 8% of Jews, 10% of Arabs. Party's activity, the outgoing Knesset, 5% of Jews and 15% of Arabs. Here we have, actually, that Arabs and Jews pretty much track each other as far as interests, which is very interesting. But the socioeconomic issues was a much larger number. Um, and foreign and defense issues, everybody would just assume, oh, this is all about peace. This is all about two-state solution. This is all about the peace process. Not very high, not necessarily very high on the minds of most voters in the Israeli election, and uh, lesson to be learned for everybody. That's it for here this week on Spin Class. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.